My wife, Denise, and I, we, we start off each year kind of unique because our anniversary is on December 29th, and so we just celebrated 15 years of marriage. Thank you, yeah, to God, to God be the glory. And uh, uh, we are, we're, we're officially old. I turned 40 this year, and uh, Denise, um, she is well along in years. Uh, <laughs> If you were here for uh, any of the Christmas services, you'd get that joke. Looks like a lot of you were. So um, we, uh, we, every year for our anniversary, we'll usually right around the first or, or maybe New Year's Eve, we go to a bookstore and we'll buy like a journal and we'll list out our goals for that year. Kind of an anniversary tradition. Then we go to a nice dinner uh, after that. And uh, we, we always list out our goals in three different categories. So we'll do like physical goals for the year. And uh, with physical goals, you know, it could be any, anything from like, we're going to try to eat healthier. Uh, one year we decided, all right, for the entire year, every morning when we get up, we're going to uh, do a blend of vegetables and fruit and, uh, and do that. You know, it usually lasts, you know, about three, four weeks and then that starts to die off, right? Or you're like, well, maybe not every day. Right, maybe not every day. Uh, it could be going to the gym more, or uh, you know, whatever. I wanted to lose a little weight this year, so I shaved my head, and uh, that helped a little bit. And then we'll 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 list out like some financial goals and. For many of you, you'll have like financial goals, right? As you start off the year, want to maybe pay off this credit card or, or get out of debt or start a 401k or whatever those goals may be, even with uh, finances. And then we go to our spiritual goals. And with the spiritual goals, it may include reading a book that we want to go through together or we want to read through the Bible or we want to pray more or we want to, uh, you know, uh, do all kinds of different things, have more faith. Uh, maybe there's someone we need to, uh, to forgive or uh, it's a spiritual goal. And I thought as we started off this new year on a Sunday, how cool would it be to talk about our goals? And so uh, several weeks ago, I started trying to put this message together. What am I going to tell Hamilton Hills as we all meet together? One service. I know many people uh, not here for in person, but are watching online or listening online. What can we as a church family all together say, here's our physical goals, here are our financial goals, and here are our spiritual goals. And, uh, you know, I have as a pastor of the church some financial goals for our church. You know, we want to hit budget. We want to be able to hire new staff. We want to be able to uh, uh, maybe even physically with physical goals, you know, build something, uh, expand, do this, do that. And those are all great. And then I thought, really, what it all comes down to, even in our personal lives or here at Hamilton Hills, is our spiritual goals. What would be the spiritual goal for us as a church, and here is like uh, the, the conundrum, is that a word? Like the predicament that as a pastor, you go, okay, here's the goal for our church. It would mean this. It would mean I would need everybody that's listening or watching or here in person to all agree on the exact same thing. And if you are an American in here today, we can't agree on anything, Right? It is hard for us to all agree on one thing, but I'm going to start off even this message as we dive into Psalm chapter 40 in just a moment by giving us as a church two goals spiritually that I would like to at the end of the year, if every single person individually said, Pastor, I did it. 
I reached the goal and I did my part. And it's not gonna be read your Bible more. It's not gonna be pray more. It's not gonna be uh, forgive that person. I think those are all great goals. But here is what I would love for every person at the end of 2023 to say. Number one, that you can hear God's voice. I know for many of you, as you start this year, the cycle, right? You can already feel it if you've lived long enough. You set that goal. And halfway through the year, a quarter way through the year, or on January 2nd, (laughs) you're already defeated. And you can already feel that cycle as you go from year to year of knowing by the end of the year, I'm gonna be disappointed. And it may be even as you've reached your goal, you had the financial goal of getting out of debt and you get out of debt in that one year. And then when you get to the end of the year, you go, why am I not happy? If I can just get that new house, we're gonna, we're gonna get a bigger house with more bedrooms. And then you get that bigger house and at the end you go, but why do I still feel the same? And I've talked to many people before this service saying, what are your goals for 2023? And they're like, I don't have any. <laughs> you know why? Because we're used to, when we set the goal, really, by the, even if you obtain the goal or not obtain the goal, it always ends in disappointment. And let me tell you, for spiritually speaking, how many of you would feel joy and how would our church grow, not in numbers, but in faith, meaning confidence in God, if we knew that we could actually hear the voice of God? And when he spoke, we knew that's God. Know that you can hear God's voice. And then number two, know that God hears yours. Know that God hears your voice. Oh man, as I look across this sea of people, I just saw some of your countenances drop. Because doesn't it seem like sometimes you're taking that prayer and you're just throwing it up as high as you can, but you just feel like it's falling right back down to the ground. And as much as you want to believe that God hears your voice, sometimes it's hard to believe that God is actually hearing what you say. And it's tough, right? Because we can't see God physically, his face. We know he's around. We can see him in creation. We can see him in people. We can see him in our faith. But actually seeing visually God in person, we haven't done that. So it requires trust. And it requires faith. How many of you in here, this is a rhetorical question if you're new, you don't have to raise your hand or actually say me, okay? But how many of you in here have used the phrase, I can't wait? I can't wait. Someone didn't listen to me. They released me. (laughs) I think it's their first New Year's. (laughs) I can't wait to your young person until that person asks me out. I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to get that promotion. I can't wait to move into a bigger house. I can't wait to be financially secure. I can't wait to retire. (laughs) I can't wait until summer. Amen. I can't wait until school's out. I can't wait to graduate. I can't wait 
until the kids get older. Amen? <laughs> I can't wait till they're potty trained. I can't wait for my kid to start driving. I can't wait for them to pay for their own insurance. I can't wait until Johnny goes to college and then I can't wait for him to pay his own cell phone bill and car payment. I can't wait. How many of you, if you put out goals this year, you put, my number one goal is wait. We don't usually do that, do we? Waiting is not part of a goal because when it comes to ambition and it comes to movement, we live in America. Bless God. We don't wait for nothing. We don't wait for our food. We don't wait for shopping. We just order it on Amazon. And if we have Prime, it better be there tomorrow or else we're getting our money back. We don't wait. Psalm chapter 40 and verse number one, David is writing an incredible psalm, one that I've read over and over again and until just recently was speaking to me. And I want to read to you verse one. David writes this, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. The reason why we have to wait on the Lord is because we don't know when he's going to move. So whenever I've waited on the Lord, it's not patiently waiting. It's waiting because I have no choice, right? Uh, and all the husbands said, amen. We ready to go? Yes. I'm not waiting on Denise to get ready because I want to be patient. I'm waiting on her because I have no choice. And then when she's ready, she goes, where are the keys? And I go, oh, yeah, whoops. And then she has to wait on me. <laughs> if you transliterate, which means literally take the Hebrew in this word or this first verse in Psalms, David can be transliterally translated, meaning word for word, waited, I waited is how the verse starts. We, tra we translate it patiently I waited, but literally there's an emphasis. They says the same word twice. And in Hebrew, back then they didn't have cell phones, so they had no way to make bold or little emojis or uh, exclamation points. The way that you would put an emphasis on a word or an emphasis on an idea was you would say the word or write the word twice. So David writes, waiting, I waited. Which means, he says, as you read this passage, I want you to filter and look through the lens of waiting and patience through every single word that I'm going to say. So he starts off by saying, waited, I waited for the Lord to help me. Waiting is this, and if you have a pen and paper or if you have a, maybe take notes on your phone, please write this down or take a picture of the screen. Waiting is being still on the outside, listen to me church, and working hard on the inside. We take waiting and patience as, well, I'll just sit back and let the Lord do what he does. Go ahead, Lord, whenever you're ready, no, waiting and being patient is letting the outside go 
while working furiously on the inside. It's this standing still. Because if you're going to hear the voice of God, guess what you have to do? Anyone get uncomfortable? Stillness makes us uncomfortable. You know why it makes us uncomfortable? Because we start thinking. And we're afraid that that thought that we don't want to come up is going to come up. We're afraid that we're going to be reminded of that thing that we have been forgetting. We're afraid someone is going to start talking that we don't want to talk. (laughs) We get nervous when things are still. And so as we get nervous, we have to fill the silence. We need to get moving. We need to work harder. And David said that he turned to me and heard my cry when I waited patiently. What we do on the outside should come as a result of the work that we do on the inside. Here's the culture we live on or live in. Work on the outside so you can forget what's going on on the inside. We work out so we don't have to think of the pressures at work. We clean the house so we don't have to tidy up the relationship with our spouse. We go to a theme park so we don't have to listen to our kids. (laughs) We'll hear all the other voices Just create activity. We run a mile to escape the marathon of marriage. We turn to escapism instead of staying still and crying to the Lord. Because being still gives us anxiety. David acknowledges that the Lord hears him and has heard his cry. What does God do when he hears his cry? It doesn't say immediately. It says that he heard him. And then in God's timing, verse number two, he lifted me out of the pit of despair. Out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. You know what I love about this passage? Well, I should say, that I necessarily humanly don't love about this passage. He doesn't say he set me on a mountaintop so I could see the view. He didn't give me my dream job or my dream house or my dream vehicle or the salary I've always wanted or the escape from all the problems in the entire world. He said he put my feet on solid ground. He lifted me up and put me on a path, and as I ran, no. As I went very quickly to my next goal, no. As I walked along, he steadied me. 
There's nothing sexy about a goal that says I'm walking along and things are steady. But how many of you in here have lived long enough to know, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to, as I walked along life, even though things may be going wrong and even though life is messy, he is holding me steady. But many of us in here are in too much of a hurry to be steadied. We're going too fast and we have control of the steering wheel ourselves. And we wonder why we don't hear from the voice of God. Man, I can't hear his voice. You're going too fast. I don't think God hears my prayer. He does. You've just run further than he is. He's back here going, I want to steady you, but you're trying to control things and you're out leading me. You can't hear my voice because you're too far away. We think it's because we're stuck in the clay, we're stuck in the mire, we're stuck in the mud. And he goes, no, you're trying to get out. And so as you try to get out of the quicksand, what happens? You sink deeper into the quicksand. Can I say this? How is life working out for you being in control? By the way, I'm saying that to you, I'm saying it to me, right? You know what usually I end up starting with every time Denise and I have made these goals? I start off with the financial goals and the physical goals. And then we add the spiritual goals afterwards. Instead of going, how about having some spiritual goals and letting them decide what your physical goals and your financial goals will be? But it requires listening. And being quiet. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. And I'm about to really get into this next part of the message because this is where it gets good. But before we do, can I tell you something? No one who waits on God is ever disappointed. No one who waits on God's voice and listens for God's voice in my lifetime, I have never heard of anyone being disappointed. I would liken it to this. I've talked to many, many people who want to take the faith step of baptism or take a faith step of following Christ and they're nervous about it and they're wondering what is life going to be like? Oh man, I'm nervous about getting baptized. What if I say I'm going to have to be in front of people? I've never met anyone that's ever gotten baptized that went, I regret that. That was a terrible decision. I wish I had never got baptized. I wish I had never take that faith step towards Jesus. I have never met anyone in my life that has regretted taking a step of faith. And here's the thing. If you wait on God and you let him take you out of the mire, let him take you out of the mud, let him get you unstuck and you wait on him, he hears your cry. And can I tell you, I've never met anyone disappointed that waits on God ever. But we have a fear of it because when we do, we're letting go of control and we're letting him decide our goals, letting him decide our life, letting him decide what we should obtain. But he moves David from bottom to balance, from stuck to moving, from drowning to thriving. 
There you go. It then moves David to a new song. Verse 3. He has given me a new song to sing. You ever had a new song inside of you? Or you ever heard a new song from your favorite artist? Or maybe they came out with a new album, right? And you've been listening to their old stuff over and over and over again. And as good as it is, you just want to hear that new song. You kind of need something new to rejuvenate you. And uh, I, I remember when I was in, in high school, right? I grew up in the 90s, the best decade of music. And don't laugh. I saw some of you laughing. And you know what? You're older than me. Okay. <laughs> the 90s is the best decade of all time. And I never thought I, I would be one of these people, but it is. It's the best music. Um, the problem with 90s music, though, the problem with 90s music, it is so melancholic. It is so depressing. It's the Nirvana, Matchbox 20, you know, I'm going to push you around and I'm going to, you know, life is over and uh, if I could only get the girl, you know, like remember the, the song Iris from the Goo Goo Dolls, I don't want the world to see me because I don't think that they'd understand when everything's meant to be broken. I just want you to know who I am, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, you can clap. Yeah, that's good. Man, you know, when you're 15 years old and you got that crush of the girl in high school and she won't look your way because you're a loser, right? <laughs> and you're like, she, she only knew, you know? <laughs> then I got married to the beautifulest girl in the world. Jesus has changed my life. I have no reason to be sad or depressed. And I like listen to that song. I'm like, I need a new song. This one don't work no more. I love concerts and I'll go to all kinds of concerts, but there's nothing like a worship concert. You know why? Because that's who I am now. I need a new song. And some of you in here, you're, you're trying the old song over and over and over again. You're playing it over. It's in the cycle. And you're like, oh man, I just need something new. And so you go out on your own and try to obtain it on your own. And God says, wait on me, wait on me. But when you wait on me, look to me and I will look to you. You will hear my voice and I will hear yours. And isn't there anything better than when you're driving down the road with your spouse, she's hearing you, you're hearing him and you're in relationship together. You both are in understanding. And God says, that's what I want from you. Nothing is better than that. There's no mountain you could acquire. There's no job you could have. There's no amount of money that will make you secure. Let me steady you. Let me build your life. Put your trust in me and I will never, ever, ever let you down. Never. But I waited patiently on the Lord. He gave me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed, they will put their what? Trust in the Lord. Real simply, this verse is saying, when David put faith in God, other people saw him put faith in God and it led them to put faith in God. Faith gives birth to faith. We've already had like three or four more people that saw the baptism celebration service and went, I wanna do that. You know why? Because when people see people take a step of faith, whoo, 
it gives them boldness. It gives them confidence. It makes them excited. And they go, if that person can do it, I can do it. And some of us in here, we're trying to steer our life in our own way. And we're so depressed and we need a new song. And we're wondering why no one is attracted to our life to follow Jesus. It's because we haven't put our trust in the Lord ourselves. Wait patiently on the Lord. Look to him. Hear his voice. Wait on God. Verse 40, oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord. And then he lists out how you wait on the Lord, how you get the new song, and how it happens. It happens to those who have no confidence in the proud. Or in those who worship idols. Has a whole lot we could go into here, but simply it's this number one, trust in the Lord. Number one, trust in the Lord, trust in Yahweh, that's his name. Trust in the Lord, and then number two, stop trusting in those who don't. Simple. You know what I love about God? He puts Christianity on the bottom shelf for people like me and you. I can't follow a whole lot of deep theological thoughts and do's and don'ts. The 613 commands that were given in the law of Moses, I can't even follow the 10 commandments. I need simple. David says, here you go. Trust in the Lord and then don't trust in those that aren't trusting in the Lord. There you go. Simple. Trust in God When God says do this, when in his spirit he tells you to take a faith step, go ahead and do it. And don't put your trust in those who idolize things that aren't God. As really hard for us to do as Americans because we want heroes so bad. We put our trust in anything and everything that looks or maybe smells like God, but isn't God. And you can fill in the blank yourself. So let me ask you today as we close, once again, good job on attendance this year. What have you been putting your trust in? What is the Holy Spirit right now in your heart and mind telling you is an idol in your life? Who or what? It's your family, your job, your boss, your promotion, your education. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's your personality. Maybe you've been trusting in you to get you where you need to go. And maybe God's saying, you want to hear my voice? Listen, I talked about this at Christmas Eve services. The heavens declare the glory of God. Literally the stars that he just made also. Revolve, speak, and tell us the good news. But to look at the stars, you have to stop looking at what you're doing and look up. And sometimes it doesn't seem like he's speaking. 
And this is a lesson I've had to learn for my years of being a Jesus follower growing up in a Christian home. Always waited for that moment of like the shepherd moment. The glory of God. Audible voice. <sighs> Halo. Foo-foo dust. <sighs> I now know. And here's the thing. Our God is Emmanuel. We sang about it. He's with us. He's saying, why are you waiting for the big moment? I'm here. I want you to have a relationship with me where you feel like you can call me father. Where you can just come downstairs like my daughter does and just say, hey dad, how's it going? That's the relationship he wants. He doesn't want the relationship where you have to just always be like scared to talk to him. Yes, there's an awe about God the creator. Yes, he is the almighty and we should have awe and fear of him. But at the same time of having awe and fear, he says, boldly come to the throne. You are my son. You are my daughter. Come talk to me, hear my voice. But to do that, we have to be still. We're gonna start a new series. In just a moment, you'll hear the name of it and we're, uh, Cody's coming up at the end here to talk to us a little bit about that, but it's on hearing his voice. I may lose or we may lose everyone at Hamilton Hills. I don't believe so because I believe that we have a church and we have a people and even in our culture, people are dying for realness. And can I tell you, there's nothing more real than the voice of God. And if you'll commit with me this year, I have two goals. You ready? Throw them up on the screen. Go ahead and throw, throw them both up there. I want you to know that your God can be heard. He's not just some old man upstairs that has taken his hands off the wheel. Let's see what happens. He's a God that sent his own son. That's how much he loved you and he wants you to hear his voice. And then number two, I want you to know that God hears yours. He's not just interested in talking to you and giving you commands and you doing what he says. He also wants to hear your emotion, your hurts, your failures, your even disbelief in him. He wants you to be able to look at him and say, God, I don't even know if you exist. Some of you are so scared to say that and it's already in your mind and he already knows everything that you think. He wants you to say it. He wants you to get what's in here out and talk to him. One of the things that's hardest for me is when I'm talking to a family member, whether it be my daughter or my wife or whoever, and you're trying to get, you know there's something in there. In fact, when you've lived with someone long enough, you already know what they're thinking. But what do you want? You want them to say it. Say it. Get it out. God wants to hear your voice. And he wants you to hear his. I'm not trying to belabor this, but I just feel led right in this moment by the Spirit of God to say this. We have students in here, teenagers and college students, you are on the verge of leaving the faith. You 
you are thinking to yourself, I don't think this is real. If God is real, then why? I've never heard God speak to me. Is this even real? Can I beg of you? Beg of you. God loves you. And I don't care how far you've gone from him. He is desiring for you to hear his voice. And he wants you to know that you are a child of God. Don't walk away. Don't let Satan whisper in your ear, you're too far gone. There is no one that is too far gone from the grace of God. No one. No one. No one. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song in here just a moment from the worship team. But I want to take a moment right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. As we start this new year, let's not have that fake goals like, oh, here we go. Spiritual goal. I'm going to read my Bible more. No. That's not it. That's not the answer and it hasn't worked for you ever. Should you read your Bible more? Absolutely. Here's what you should desire. I want to hear from God. And he wants you to hear from him. But it's going to be this, number one, wait. Waiting, I waited. Patient. Would you do this with me with your heads bowed and eyes closed as a picture of surrender? Would you take your hands and just put them out like this, palms up, as we pray together? Father, speak to us. Here in this moment right now, speak to us. For that student in here right now that has got their palms up going, I'm not going to hear God's voice. Would you whisper into their mind right now, even in this moment that you love them? Would you open hearts through your spirit? Would you bind the enemy? In Jesus' name, would you bind the enemy? Would the lies of Satan not be found here and not found in our homes, not found in our workplaces, and most of all, not found in our hearts? Would you bind him? Drive him from here? That person that has been walking away because of shame or walking away because of disappointment, would you encourage them? Would you give them confidence in you? Would you teach us to wait? To wait to make that move before you speak? To wait to make that decision before you speak? To wait before we set that financial goal or that physical goal and wait and listen for your voice because you have never let anyone down that hears your voice. We surrender. We surrender our will, our will, our desire, our goals, what we want to you. 
in full expectation that you give us good gifts. You give us what we need. You give us what we desire before we even desire it. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen.